All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back for another Boca Podcast episode and part of the special series that we're doing at the Boca Podcast called, uh, very simply, Brand Position Consultations. And um, Frank Harrington is here with me today and was gracious enough to be willing to share our conversation with everybody uh, out there in the, the, the internets, if you will. Frank, thanks for hanging out with me today. Yeah, absolutely. Good to be here. I am uh, completing this call from a minivan on uh, COVID lockdown um, <laughs> with a kid running around the house and a, and a wife trying to teach a, a, a kindergarten class. So um, we are we are making do, and uh, it's it's wonderful to be here. Yeah, for anybody that that may be listening to this episode in a few months or a year or whenever it might be, we are on a bit of a, a lockdown situation here in the U.S. and even to some extent globally. Uh, because of the coronavirus. And so we're all kind of making do at the moment. Uh, Frank is, has gotten quite creative. He is literally sitting in his minivan. I've got this really cool scene I'm watching. He's on video here. And we made it work with the, the audio setup uh, and the phone and everything. So we're going to make this happen. And just to give a little bit of context for anybody listening in, if you have not heard the brand position consultation episodes yet, or maybe you've not even listened to the regular interviews where we talk about brand position, uh, the significance of brand position, first of all, as a definition is the unique value proposition that we offer as a business to the market. So what does that mean? Maybe put another way, it is what a potential client thinks about when they hear our business's name. And if they were to hear uh, Nathan Holritz or Holritz Photography, maybe I, I may, and this is one of the examples that I used in my last uh, consultation, but if, if I was a black and white wedding photographer, I only photographed in black and white, and I work here in the local Chattanooga market, I might say uh, black and white wedding photography for Chattanooga couples. If a potential client hears me, if I'm doing my job right as a marketer, they hear Holritz Photography, they're going to be like, oh, that's that guy. He, I, I think he only shoots weddings in black and white. Um, I don't know if I could ever do totally black and white. I like color too, but my word, have you seen his work? It's gorgeous. So two things happen there. There's brand recognition. And then ultimately in, in, in that context, it kind of filtered out a client that wasn't relevant, right? But that's the significance of a brand position. A clear and distinct brand position is that we're able to speak very distinctly, very succinctly, the unique value that we bring to that potential client or to the local market on a broader scale. I alluded to a couple of the benefits there. It does enable potential clients to immediately know your unique value proposition. Secondly, it filters irrelevant potential clients. Um, Third benefit of a clear and distinct brand position statement is that it simplifies and focuses marketing efforts. So if we are trying to promote our business, obviously to try to get new business, if we're juggling multiple messages, then that will convolute and confuse the process and our efforts won't be near as efficient. If we have one primary message, if I am Chattanooga's black and white wedding photographer, literally everything that I do in my marketing efforts is going to support that idea. It's much more focused. I use my time and my money more efficiently. It's really important for that. And the last primary benefit is it encourages better time management. I alluded to this just now, but if I know that this is what my brand is about, these are the clients that I want to get, clients who are interested specifically in black and white photography, then literally all of my time should be dedicated toward that end. Um, On a day-to-day basis, week-to-week basis, I can literally filter everything according to that brand position statement. It's going to make me a much more efficient business owner. At the end of the day, I'm going to have more freedom, more flexibility. And so that's the fourth benefit of having a clear and distinct brand position. So with that introduction, and thanks, Frank, for letting me ramble for a second. Yes. um, I just want to give context to, to our listeners, but um, let's, let's talk about you. Let's talk about your business. First of all, what market are you currently based in? So I am in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, which is an enormous market for for basically all the reasons. Weather's always nice. There's a ton of people here. There's just a lot of players in the space. It's an extremely deep market. Yeah. So that kind of leads me to my business, which is I have I kind of have two portfolios. So I um I I'm a wedding photographer. I've been doing wedding and family photography for probably f- about six years now. Okay. However, only since the beginning of 2020. Gee, what a time to, to start a, a full-time <laughs> business shooting groups of people, right? So uh, I've gone full-time. I've had a corporate day job for the past 12 years. I've, I, I'm jumping out of the airplane. I'm building my parachute on the way down. I'm trying to do this full-time. I have an opportunity, not getting any younger. So now it's the time to jump and, and do it. So with that comes a definite need to really look at my branding hmm. because I have, I, have, I have that portion of my portfolio. I also have a large automotive photography portfolio for various different clients um 
usually I have one or two consistent clients in that, that are businesses. One of them is a car donation company. I do imaging of uh, some of the nicer vehicles they get through and they sell them for charity and the money then goes to charity, which is great. So I have that portfolio as well. And, and I, I'm really interested and passionate in, in that work as well. So those are two kind of, at least at first blush, kind of desperate, like they're very different portfolios and bodies of work. Sure. And so kind of where I'm at and, and, and why I think hopefully we can get some clarity today and that just an outside perspective is I kind of have options as far as what, what do I want to do with the branding of, of my business? I can't, do I want to have two distinct brands? I think that's probably conceptually the easier way, potentially less muddled might make more, it's just a more natural way to do it is I have an auto brand and I have, I have a things brand and a people's brand, kind of, so to speak. Sure. Or because I'm in such a deep market here in the Bay Area, maybe there's the way that I can cohabitate both those ideas under one brand and make that my niche, make mm. that how I stand out in such a a very, very, very deep market. You know, I I do. I also have a a, a photo booth company that I that I have. So the idea of having a total of three brands and juggling all of that is a little daunting as far sure. as the maintenance yeah. thing is concerned. Yep. But I also, and, and then it also does give an opportunity, I think to, if, if there is a way that I can make that my niche and find a way to make it not muddled. Cause I think that's what I could run into is trying to have it all as one brand. Then yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. And I'm right now I'm at the like paralysis by analysis phase. So having a little <laughs> bit of input, in, in, in a way to do this, I, I think would be invaluable. And so that's kind of where I am, what I do, um, where I am at timeline and, and, and literally where I'm at. Well, and I appreciate, I appreciate the context. And by the way, kudos to you yeah. for, especially not knowing, of course, this was all going to go down with coronavirus that you'd go ahead and just be like, you know what, I'm <laughs> going to do it. I'm going to go full time. Sure. Anything that we can do to support you in the meantime, I I'd absolutely want to do at least from the Boca podcast communities standpoint. But um, man, I, I know it's got to also be a bit disconcerting. Nonetheless, the fact that you're spending time right now on something that I'm highly recommending to our community at the moment, which is just proactivity, right? It'd be easy to yes. fixate on what's going on and easily get down, depressed, and ultimately debilitated as a result. Or on the other hand, we can't control this. We can't control the timeline of it. What can we control? We can control how we spend our time at the moment. And we can ultimately determine what would be most proactive or beneficial to our businesses. Uh, that can look different for different people. At, at the moment, you're spending time on refining your brand, which I think is a great way to spend time. So many photographers in our industry, and part of the reason we we talk so much about brand position, so many photographers don't have a clear and distinct brand position. And to be, to be clear, it's not, um, it's not that brand position is the end-all be-all when it comes to marketing. It's a piece of the puzzle, but it's an important one and not enough attention is being given to it. So that's why we're spending time on it. I love that you're spending time on it. You have three distinct yeah. brands. And I just want to throw this quick idea out there. Have you have you considered with the photo booth company, which by the way, I had a chance to look at your site. For anybody that's curious, if you go to vintage10photobooth.com, we'll put it in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. But what a cool trailer that you've got for right. that photo booth. Yes. It's really awesome. <laughs> yes. It's a, a 1961 aristocrat little loafer. Yeah. It's actually the the name of that thing and they made you know a baker's dozen of them they made almost none of them because they're comically small yeah and and which makes it perfect for a little wheel in wheel out photo booth not so much for actual camping um, i do occasionally actually go camping with uh you know two and a half people uh you know <laughs> me and the wife and the three-year-old and, yeah. and we go out as a family and we've done that a couple of times and it's it's tight quarters but um it does make a perfect little photo booth and i've been doing that for a number of years that was well on the side and um you know as you were talking about with the going, you know, finding a way to stay busy when, when there's some slow time here, not to go off on a complete tangent, but it can be a little bit daunting. Like, Hey, I'm jumping into this, but oops, now I, you know, I can't go do events. I've had a number of events canceled right. and postponed indefinitely. Right. And so kind of the good thing is it, I can, you know, I, I just left the corporate day job. So I was expecting not to make a lot of money for a, a fairly significant amount mm. of time. So I've got that runway. So it's actually okay. That's great. Yeah, which is good. So good there. But as you said, I, it is super important to find like, how do we be proactive? What do we do? Shoot, maybe we jump on a podcast. I don't know. Uh, 
something to, to keep keep pushing the boulder forward and forward and you know, yeah just keep moving 100 percent. and and it is cliche yeah. as it might sound it's easy to say it's another thing to do it I, again i have a lot of respect for the fact that you're doing that very thing and i would encourage all of our listeners especially if you hear this this episode in the near future and we're still dealing with some of the fallout from this I can't encourage you enough to just push forward, even if it's small steps each day, push forward for the sake of not only your personal life, but your business and and focus on that proactivity. It's going to put you in a much, much better, better mental state. But what I was going to say, Frank, is um, just yeah. as a, a kind of a side note, an addendum to our conversation about your general brand position is that there's a really great opportunity, I think, with that particular brand. First of all, I think it makes sense to keep it separate. But part of the reason that I think yes. it makes sense to do so with that photo booth company is that it would be easy to hire somebody even part-time to to run that even if it's a few hours here and there because yeah. your name doesn't necessarily have to be a tent, uh, tied to a booth itself the the appeal there has little to do with an individual and much, much more to do with the actual thing, in this case, that trailer. And you could create a whole persona around the trailer and it's, you know, it's vintageness, if you will, and the history associated with it and and create a whole personality, really, for the sake of social media and, and hiring somebody to to take that thing to an event on the weekend or three or four or five events on the weekend and handle whatever technical elements of that need to be taken care of that's not going to detract from the brand. And now you're able to to begin scaling your business basically from the get-go. You've got this additional source of revenue that doesn't require your involvement 24-7. Absolutely, yeah. And and I, I completely agree to that. So I, I definitely, I currently have that set up as a separate brand. And and that, the photo booth, vintage chin photo booth, I want to maintain as a separate brand for all the reasons you just outlined. Those are things I've done in the past where I've been double booked. You know, hey, I'm booked to shoot a wedding. Yeah an hour away from where the photo booth event is going to be on the same time. And I have somebody that I, I, I have run it and, and man it and operate it for me. Um, so I definitely want to keep that as a, a separate brand um, for all those ideal points that you just, you just put out there. That's exactly, I think the smart play there. Brilliant. As far, yeah, as far as the, 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 the crux of my branding concern is, do I want to break out just the automotive photography portion of my portfolio into a now create a third brand so i'd have vintage gen photo booth frank harrington photography and then you know whatever frank's cars or who knows but a third (laughs) brand with a with a a new url and and logo and color scheme in the works um social media which i think there is a lot to be said for doing that there is a little bit more maintenance but then my thought is maybe there is a way where i can have both portfolios live under, say, Frank Harrington photography in a way where I make, I find a way to make that my niche, so to speak. Maybe that's convoluted. I don't know. Maybe that's not a good play. Maybe it is just because I, I do want to find a way to stand out in this market. And and I, I, like, I mean, already the fact that you are an automotive photographer and a wedding photographer simultaneously means that you are unique. You, you have a talent sure. set that most wedding photographers don't. So then the question, as you pointed out, is, do we somehow try to figure out a way to combine these or do we separate them out? And I think maybe as we continue in conversation, we'll get to a place where we can create a little bit more distinction or at least direction as far as that part of the conversation is concerned. So let me give it a little bit more perspective if we can. What what percentage, uh, actually before we even talk about percentage, currently, do you communicate any type of a position statement, a brand position, a brand message, if you will, to potential clients on your website or otherwise? Sure. So what I have more for the uh, the wedding and family side is effectively more leaning on individuals' personal history and their family history and kind of creating heirlooms, so to speak, in, in, the, in the world of photos, okay. right? So not so much, oh, here's some, you know, quote unquote, dark and moody or light and airy photos. I don't, I, that's, that's a little bit too inside baseball. For I think most clients, and so what I find most interesting, like if, for instance, a few weeks ago I was over at my parents' house when I could still go over there, and there was uh, their wedding album, and I hadn't—I don't know if I'd ever seen it. And you know, it's fun to go back and look, and and this was you know 1982, and as much fun as it was to look at them, and you know, grandma and grandpa and aunts and uncles, etc. It was just as much fun to look at. Like, oh, wow, look at the style. And, oh, look at, 
oh, they're getting in to the old Toyota Celica that I grew up in. And, oh, there's that old um, watch that, you know, say grandpa had on there. And now I get to see it. Oh, I've seen that in a drawer, you know, several years ago. I didn't make the connection. Kind of seeing that stuff and Mm. really that, like those moments and and that kind of tell, hey, this was that time Mm -hmm. was more interesting to go back and look at that stuff than, you know, some of the more nuanced stuff that I think most wedding and, and family photographers pay attention to, or, or, you know, Oh, you know, the, the, the color grading on the, you know, or this pre preset uh, filter in, in, <laughs> in Lightroom or whatever. Um, it's not so much about that. It's about all the other stuff and, and capturing people and moments and the moment, that moment in time, Maybe it's kind of a different definition of timeless, but like that moment in time to where it's not like, hey, I'm shooting for the couple and they're going to look at it in a month. I don't want them to be happy in a month. I do. But it's also it's like I'm shooting for the kids and the grandkids are going to look at these photos in 20, 30, 50 years um, and making those shooting through that kind of lens, I think, is is my current UVP, so to speak. That's how I try and emote and, and and, and put myself out there and even a little bit on the auto brand as well. Well, and, and I think both on the auto side as well as the wedding side, and by the way, for anybody listening in, if you just go to Frank Harrington photography, just like it sounds.com. And uh, by the way, the same thing on uh, Instagram as well, Frank Harrington photography, and we'll link to this in the show notes. But right now you've got a position statement of sorts. It's, I have to scroll down a little bit to find it, but it says photography for the future nostalgic can you break that down? I, I know you, you essentially described that phrase, I think, in detail just now. But when you talk about future nostalgic, what comes to mind or what, what's the idea behind those two words? Sure. So what I mean by that, and, and I do want to refine this a little bit during the course of our conversation, because I do think it is a little bit of a nebulous phrase. But when I say future nostalgic, I'm talking about, yeah, the you know, whether it's a couple looking back at their photos in 20 years, that's kind of the what I'm trying to get with that phrase okay. is how are you and your family and your loved ones going to look back at these photos after a significant period of time has passed and trying to capture that moment and that time in a way that is um, appreciated by those many, many, many years down the road. And, you know, that's an interesting point of conversation. And, and it's funny, too, because I've had uh, conversations, maybe multiple conversations now with photographers on the podcast, and we've talked about the significance of legacy. Uh, in fact, I just did an interview yesterday, a brand position consult yesterday, where we were talking about that and ru- kind of running on that idea. Like one of the big caveats to using the idea of, of nostalgia, um, the concept of an heirloom, which, by the way, isn't a bad idea. And, and I think even better once we actually look at, at your competition here in just a little bit. But um, it's, it's trying to sell someone on something that they're going to enjoy in the future. And right the big question mark for me is what is the actual value to them now, especially if you're dealing with millennial generation and potentially a little bit younger who are more about the now than they are Mm -hmm. about the future, at least in many cases. Um, And so would that add enough value to that potential client? Now, the flip side of that conversation, and, and I mean, largely the, the purpose of brand position in, in the first place is to narrow down the potential market that we're talking to. So very well, there could be a small percentage of the market who that that concept matters to. And if you can somehow figure out a way to tap into that market specifically, that message may resonate and it may be something you can run on. Whether you could do that locally just in San Fran or if you'd have to expand the market is something we can talk a little bit more about. Uh, but I just want to throw that idea right. out there. It's the only thing that comes to mind is a potential problem when we're talking about running on really what is not excitement and enjoyment about the images now per se, uh, as much as you're going to enjoy these things in 20 years or your grandkids will, and, and their their minds just aren't right. in the grandkid mode right now. They're just thinking about right now and how can they have fun right now and how can they see that really cool picture and so they can post it to Facebook right now. And um, so we just have to keep that in mind just as a cultural reference. Fair. Yeah, very fair. And I do think there is something to be said for, you know, maybe there is a niche there, maybe there isn't. As far as, again, in the Bay Area, you know, I, I absolutely don't need to try and throw a net over the whole pie, so right. to speak. I don't even need a slice. If I get some crumbs off the pie, the pie is so large here that I can, I can live very well off of just a few crumbs of that pie. 
and I guess that's the rub is trying to find a way to, to niche down in a way that is um, easy to communicate. Um, cause I think that's, that's what I'm having a difficult time now. I, for instance, you know, you even said it, you had to ask me about, Hey, what does that mean <laughs> with the future nostalgics thing? Right? right. And I, and I agree. I think it is a little bit too muddled and, and it takes too many words to explain, which I, I think is, is problematic for anyone that's going to spend a whole 12 seconds on my website and then make a decision whether they're going to click on further or go on to the next one because there's no shortage of other photographers that have a more concise message here in the area. Um, you used the word nebulous earlier and you actually use it, I think in an email in our email conversation prior to the interview. And I really like the, the, the concept or the picture ultimately that's created with that word. I I've been using the word arbitrary or vague and they're the kind of simplistic in nature. Nebulous is this brilliant idea um, or it, it, I think it paints just a really specific picture about what we're talking about when it comes to using words that are just kind of out there, if you will, to borrow kind of a, a slang phrase to describe this concept of nebulous. Nonetheless, um, I, I think that we can definitely get more specific. I think two things that we can do uh, as we continue in the conversation, one is to, to potentially look at refining that message if you're going to run with it. The other thing, too, might be to decide on what market you're going to speak to. Because I, I, I assumed millennials a second ago, but the reality is you could potentially be serving couples that are in their 50s, 60s who are getting married, which again, narrows the field, narrows the market significantly. And again, you might have to go beyond San Fran even. But when you're speaking to an older couple, now this idea of nostalgia or the idea of legacy or even speaking to the idea of grandkids might is, is certainly more relevant and I have yet to see any photographer, at least that I can think of in the last 20 years, that's actually come out and said, you know what, my specialty, my target market is the uh, slightly older generation. We come up with a great phrase to, to reference it but or to represent that generation, but there's an opportunity there uh, as well. I mean, it's funny how so many photographers, and I was guilty of it, um, kind of play in the same realm as everybody else. While there are actually these niches that we could go after, I think most photographers are too scared to because they're like, oh, shoot, you know, I had this massive pot to potentially pull from, and now I just made it this right. small. But to your point, crumbs can even be quite valuable, especially if you're marketing correctly, you're pricing yourself well. So anyway, we'll, we'll keep the conversation going. I do want further context, though. What percentage of the revenue that you're generating from your business at the moment comes from weddings versus auto? So um, I have, I have uh, two fairly consistent uh, clients on the auto side. And then I get some other, you know, word of mouth referrals here or there, people that are, you know, trying to sell their car or car they inherited or who knows. Okay. Um, and that's something that I, I, on my auto side, I've tried to um, appeal to that portion uh, of the market. But I would say there certainly is not nearly the money on that side of the business than there is in, in wedding and, and family photos. So right now, as far as the auto stuff is definitely more consistent work. However, the, the money is the, the lion's share of, of my income dollars wise is coming from the, uh, the wedding and, and, and photo brand. Okay. So, and then just taking one step further, when we're talking about, when we mentioned the idea of a, a brand position, or at least what you have right now is a brand position statement. Is there anything else besides your, tendency, your leanings when it comes to kind of focusing on nostalgia, anything else that kind of sets your photography apart or the, the type of service that you offer as a photographer, apart from the photographers in your area that you're aware of? I don't want to say no, because that, that's, that's not correct. I, I think I really try and make myself more service based as far as um, the overall user experience, so to speak, the, the client experience is something that I, I really try and play to, you know, and I've, and I've told this to clients before, unless I really, really mess up, these are probably going to be certainly the most professional, probably the, maybe the only time that you have a significant number of professional photos taken of you um, for most clients. And so, you know, unless I really screw it up, you're probably going to be really happy with the photos. If I do a mediocre job on the day of handling and, and follow up and customers experience experience, they're definitely going to pick up on that. That's going to be felt through and through. So I, I really try and lean on um, quality of client experience, um, both leading up to, day of, day after, face-to-face -face meetings. For, for all, all clients, my, my nightmare would be showing up to a wedding day of 
and being like, hi, nice to meet you. My name is Frank. Let's do your wedding. Like, <laughs> right. I, that, that, I can't, that just really doesn't sit well with me. So really trying to um, be as um, personable and hands-on and human as possible throughout the entire thing. Now, does that make me unique in, in this market? I don't know. Probably not. I think there's probably plenty of photographers that really both market themselves and operate in that manner. But that is definitely something I really try and make uh, a priority, um, almost priority number one. If not number one, it's mm-hmm. 1A and 1B as far as images, customer experience. It's paramount. Sure. Well, and, and service, and for that matter, at this point in time, quality of images, both of those things um, are almost a given in 2020, right? Or at least right. they should be. Of course, there's always the exception. But Thanks to the fact that everything happens online now, everybody's talking about everyone and everything and every experience. There are very few businesses anymore that can get away with a poor experience. So certainly running on that as a brand position isn't going to be strong because um, we're either stating the obvious or we're trying right. to state something that everybody and everybody anybody is, is already doing. So as a brand position, it wouldn't be something that, that would be unique. And you pointed that out. But I just want to clear that, clarify that for listeners because I have seen references in other websites to the idea of quality imagery or to you know, photographers who quote focus on relationships and that's just not unusual anymore. So running on, on an idea that is quite the norm isn't going to set you apart. And so for those of you listening in, if you have anything like that on your website, go ahead and take that off and look for opportunities to communicate a message that actually stands out from your local market. And we'll look at actually, Frank, what your local market is saying here in just a second. So let's just talk about one other thing that I think is really important to context here. And for those of you listening in, if you've not heard me explain this before, brand position, it's not just simply the message that you're going to you know, put on the, the website and you're going to walk away and keep doing whatever you do. If you're, if you're managing your brand effectively when it comes to marketing efforts, once you establish that brand position, if it's clear, it's distinct, then you're going to want to make sure everything you do in your business supports that brand position. So my suggestion to everyone is before you go about deciding in a brand position statement, be really clear about what it is that you're trying to get out of life. And I know this is way bigger picture than most people probably expect when we're talking about something like brand position, but make sure you're clear about what you want out of life, because that should then trickle down to the business model that you're creating. And part of that business model is this brand position. Why does that matter? Well, if you're going to be doing this on a day-to-day basis, ad nauseum, just like 110% of the time you are focused, everything that you're doing in your business is to support that brand position, then that brand position better be a reflection of your values, your personal values, which are those things you find most fulfilling um, that bring you the most happiness in life, which means that you'll be able to have a more sustainable business as a result. So on that note, and with that context, Frank, um, what are two or three of the, the main reasons why you even started a photography business in the first place? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I have, I've always just found, and, and this is probably the geeky answer out of, out of all of the, the reasons, but I've always just been super interested in mechanics. And, and when I first started getting into photography, it was, you know, good old, it was high school. It was even before I took any high school photography courses. I, my mom had this old collection she had a couple of old uh, Minolta SLRs yeah. that she had from the 70s and, and, and 80s, an old X700 okay. and an old uh, SRT 101. I actually started my my wedding photography career on a Minolta um, SLR. There you go. Yeah. See? Um, brilliant. Brilliant camera. It's it's heavy. It's all mechanical. It was it, it was from like 1966 or something like that. Yeah. And I just as a, from just the mechanics of it and the gear and the lenses and Hey, this is how the aperture opens and closes. Is that that stuff is what initially kind of glommed me onto photography, just in, in general, okay. as an interest point. Original. I mean, there's my mom has a photo of me running around with an old Kodak uh, Instamatic 110 film camera. Okay. Uh, and when I was like five or six, and we, and I would load it up and take pictures of it, and then she actually gave it to me two months ago. She had found it and cleaning it out, and so now I have a three and a half year old. Um, so I'm Frank the fourth, he's Frank the fifth. Wow. Um, and so, yes. So, so he's going to be running around with this camera now too. I'm going to load it up and though. And so that's going to be a whole other thing. So that is the mechanics of it and the gears, what initially kind of got me into it. And then I had started doing, you know, just after graduating high school, I actually, I had a friend who was got me into doing some sports uh, photography stuff, some uh, auto, auto racing stuff. Um, I had a, a friend who was on a professional paintball team. And so their sponsor paid 
me and another friend to shoot some of their tournaments and travel up and down the state and do some some action work for them. Okay. And and I had a, another friend of mine who basically she she was a wedding photographer. She is a wedding photographer. She called me and I was like, hey, you still have all your gear, right? You 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 still shoot. My second called out. Um, what are you doing tomorrow? I need a second shooter. I say, yeah, wait, sure. I've never done this. I'll do it. And I just really, really enjoyed it, uh, shooting, shooting weddings. Um, and so just because of, and I would say the second, the, the reason I enjoyed it so much is just everyone's so happy. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's one of the best days of, of anyone's life and you get to be a part of it and document it and be an important part of it and have fun and just really light. That's part of the reason why I quit the day job is that for the last 12 plus years, I've been working in the exciting world of auto insurance claims, Oh wow! which is the exact opposite of everyone being happy and having <laughs> the best time of their life. Yeah. So that is the other main reason is this just, you get to make people happy. You get to see them at their happiest. You get to document that you get to give that to them. You get, to, you get to, they get to relive the happiest day of their life mm. and you get to be an integral part of that. Mm-hmm. And which just makes it, it feeds the soul, so to speak. It, it sure. is really just kind of a, uh, it's just a lot of fun. That Those are really the main reasons why I got into it. Is initially, it was a, a geeky gear thing, and I still have an enormous film camera collection, and I've done some portrait work with that. You know, I have some wedding packages, so to speak, where I in, include that in there. So I do a couple of, you know, images on film with a vintage camera. Wow. Um, and kind of work that into the mix. Uh, on that same line, I have a, a friend of mine who I shot their wedding a couple of years ago, and uh, they actually just had a, a, a baby, baby girl, uh, three months ago. And before she was born, the husband, he, he had reached out to me and, and he said, hey, you know, I've got, I know you've got these old cameras. I've got my mom's old camera. It's an old Pentax K1000. She was going to get rid of it. Uh, I don't have any use for it. You can just have it. You can sell it or tinker with it or throw it in a dumpster, whichever. And I said, wait, hold on. This was your mom's camera. And he said, yeah, yeah, it was my mom's camera that she had when I was growing up. And I said, and you're about to have a baby, right? He's like, yeah. It was like, I'm, we're not throwing this thing away. We are, we're going to do baby photos. Yeah. We're going to load it up with film and we're going to shoot baby photos using your mom's old camera that she shot. She was holding in her hands, taking pictures of you when you were growing up and did baby photos of you. And we're, we're going to turn this thing over. And instead of just getting rid of it, We'll, we'll, we'll take a frame that we shoot on it. You can blow it up and we'll put it on your wall, your, your mantle above your fireplace. And then you can set the the Pentax right there in front of it. And it's like a package display deal. And that's what we're going to do. We're not getting rid of this camera. There's, wow. There's that's a great idea. And so, and that's, that's something that we're doing. And, and I've tinkered around with actually, uh, you know, maybe working into, you know, wedding package stuff in the past. It's like, Hey, do you have grandpa's old camera? Do you have, mom's old camera like let's shoot some of your wedding on it um and and really capturing some of that essence that's still in that uh, in that camera yeah so, not to go too off on, on far of a tangent but i think it's apropos and so i wanted to bring it up as we were talking about film cameras yeah i, I would even i mean there's a there's a really interesting idea of even creating a business just based around that idea and again it would be one of those those situations where you probably have to go outside the market maybe not even something you'd want to do necessarily right now but it's a fascinating concept to literally offer a service that only is uh you or the photographer the photographer is capturing a family with their former family member or maybe an existing family member's old camera and it all centers around that idea. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. I love it. I really, really love it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. There, so if like 20 years from now, if you're like, you know what? This either was awesome, I'm, it was great, or I'm done with it. I want to go on to the next thing. That's your <laughs> thing because that that is brilliant. I, that's it. That's a great idea. But you know what? It's, it's actually good to have this context um, because not only, of course, do we need to make sure that the position statement and ultimately the business model support our values and what our overarching personal goals are, but we all have personal interests. So anybody listening in, you just heard Frank communicate um, the significance of, I mean, this, what has been a theme now, nostalgia throughout the conversation, um, the significance of that to him personally and, and what that has meant to his personal life, but ultimately how he's translated that to, to working as a photographer as well. And we have to keep that in mind. For those of you listening in, if you're going about creating a brand position statement, not only do you need to, to um, look at your overarching goals, but it is important to consider your personal interests. And then we're going to go to the next step, which is looking at the market 
And then from that point, making a decision. The reason that we're looking at the market, uh, excuse me, a decision about the position statement, or at least moving in the direction of a position statement. The reason that we're looking at the market is because if we say we're interested in, you know, fill in the blank as a photographer, and that's the statement that we put on the site, that's the message that we run with, and we try to build a business on it, it might feel good to us. But in many cases, there may not be a market for it, or other photographers might already be saying that thing, or some combination of the above. So what we want to do with the so-called market research, which is actually very simple, it's a matter of pulling up Google. And I actually did this, um, Frank, with the SF wedding photography community, um, is literally to go to google.com. And for anybody listening, and you can, you can do this yourself. And it would be good, actually, just if for nothing else uh, or no other reason than to develop a certain amount of awareness about your local market. Go to Google and type in, and in this case, it was San Francisco wedding photographer is what I searched, Frank. Uh, but for those of you listening out there, it might be, you know, whatever, Chattanooga wedding photographer, Chattanooga portrait photographer, whatever the name of your market, whatever the service that you're offering, and look through the first three or four pages of results. Don't make any photographers pay for, for your clicks. So go to the non-ad versions. Uh, but nonetheless, look at what your competition is offering as a service and look at their marketing message if there is one. And Frank, what I found in the first three pages um, was roughly 20 businesses or so. And uh, of those 20 businesses, and this was higher, this is quite a bit higher, actually, than the console that I did yesterday. I was searching the Rhode Island market. And of 20 businesses or so, there was something like seven that, that had anything resembling a position statement. The rest said nothing. Um, in the, the SF market, um, maybe a little bit more progressive, they had, there were 14 position statements out of the 20 or so. Wow. Now, the caveat here is that they're not necessarily strong. So what I want to do is just kind of, to kind of read through them really quick. First, to give you some awareness and context to the conversation, but also uh, to just point out what works and what doesn't and why. So let's just kind of scan through these for a second. So the first one that I, that I came up on is San Francisco wedding photographers dedicated to modern lovers. Uh, by the way, I had to scroll past the fold, and this is something I emphasize a lot on the podcast, but if you're going to have a position statement, and not if, you should have a position statement, and that position statement should live above the fold. And anybody listening in not familiar with the idea, that means that if you're looking if you, on your laptop or your desktop, you type that URL in, it comes up, you don't have to scroll down in order to see what ideally would probably be a combination of a really beautiful image with a position statement. Same thing goes for mobile. Remember that your website's likely not going to have the same format on mobile, make sure that that position statement and the image sits above the fold, which means they don't have to scroll to find it. They land in the site within two or three seconds. They know immediately what position your position is. And then they can, ideally, they're going to see an image that backs up that position statement. So this particular photographer, I had to scroll down to see it. San Francisco wedding photographers dedicated to modern lovers. I don't know what modern lovers means. Speaking of nebulous, it's, it's kind of a nebulous statement to make. So not a very strong one. Specificity is really important when it comes to creating a distinct, clear and distinct brand position. The next one I saw was inspired by love. Uh, which it's you know, frankly kind of a cliche phrase to, to use for photographers. You see this kind of thing. Uh, so it's relatively commonplace, not distinct. Creating artistic, authentic, and timeless images. Artistic, I mean, naturally, it's it kind of goes without saying. So um, really no need to use a word like that. Authentic, very cliche. I mean, it's overused these days, so it doesn't have a lot of meaning to it. And it is a bit nebulous. It is a bit arbitrary or subjective, even in its meaning. Um, so probably not really strong word to use. Timeless images, um, that, that's not necessarily a bad idea. Although, again, an overused word on photographers' websites. Uh, I had to scroll down and find that under the fold as well. The next one was when all, and this wasn't so much a position statement, but an interesting uh, bit of copy nonetheless. This person said, when all the good San Francisco wedding photographers are taken, I'm your number one guy. <laughs> that, was the, that was the text. Um, and I don't think I actually had the scroll to find it. It was right there at the top. And then in parentheses, it actually said, just kidding, I'm always your number one guy. And then further down, I guess the actual position statement per se, it said, I capture weddings without invading them. And that actually, as a statement, is pretty poignant. Uh, it paints a pretty colorful picture. I've never heard wedding photojournalism described that way. You always hear of unobtrusive or silent. Uh, right. You know, somebody might say I'm a ninja photographer, but I capture weddings without invading them. Invading creates this very kind of violent, dramatic picture of this photographer just coming. In fact, when I got married back in 2000, literally our photographer, not only did he show up late, but he came traipsing. The, the ceremony had already started and he literally invaded the wedding in that he came traipsing. He's a pretty big guy traipsing down the aisle 
in the middle of everything going on, little care of causing any kind of disturbance, um, and started photographing the wedding. Like this, the ceremony had already been going on for, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes or so. So when I think about invading a wedding, that, that might be the picture, but pretty colorful, uh, poignant statement there. Not a bad example. What, what are you thinking so far, by the way, Frank, just hearing some of these? Yeah. Um, it, about what I would have expected as far as most position statements, I feel, or, you know, a lot of the branding stuff that I, I have seen or, or I tend to see or hear, it's very much, you know, documenting couples that are in love. It's like, well, I, I kind of, I would hope so. Um, <laughs> exactly. You know, it, it's so there's, there's, and, and I completely agree with the above the fold. I, I, my website is a, an example of what not to do currently as far as that goes. Yeah. It, above the fold, make it quick and easy. Where are you? What do you do? Why are you different? The moment you the moment you land on it, yeah. I mean, you simplified it beautifully there. Um, I just want to get your take, so I wasn't rambling for fourteen different points here, but I just I'm going to share a few more if it's okay with you too. Um, yeah. The next one I saw was wedding photography for rock star couples, and and that in and of itself not necessarily strong because rock, what does rock star actually mean? And by the way, the pictures on the site didn't really back up the idea of rock star couples either, um, at least as I conceived rock star couples, but. The problem is the statement got watered down further because they said photography for rock star couples and city hall wedding photographer, which just kind of killed the mood already for me. I'm like, we're rock star wedding, you know, rock star wedding photographer. What does that mean? What does that look like? That might be really cool. And oh, by the way, I'm also a city hall wedding photographer. Um, and somehow they were trying to put that into one position. So you can see kind of the obvious issues there. The next right. one was um, honest documentary photography that focuses on story and moments for passionate, down to earth people in love. A lot of cliche words there. And, you know, honest, maybe in the right context works. I think we actually did a consultation here on the podcast where we were using or considering using the word honest, but by itself, without further detail, it can be, I, I don't know, what does that mean? Is are, are photographers dishonest? Otherwise, why are we saying that it's honest photography? I'd, I'd want to understand better what that, that word actually meant. Um, another one was Bay Area wedding photographer for awesome people and crazy epic love speaks for itself, kind of what you were talking about, Frank, um, just a lot of cliche there. And and then another one, helping couples better express the meaning of their journey together. This was at least unique. It was different. I don't know what that means. Right. I don't know how they're expressing their journey together, I guess through imagery maybe, but it's it leaves me kind of guessing and I don't know what it means. And that's problematic. We want to make sure that we're using terminology that's not specific to the photography industry, but words that will actually resonate with the potential client that we're actually trying to reach. And uh, I don't, I'm not sure if that does it. San Francisco wedding photographer, it was under the fold, but you know, very, very general. Natural moments is what this particular site said. And then San Francisco wedding photography, wedding and portrait photographer, San Francisco and worldwide. Uh, this is really small text and it was just barely above the fold. Uh, another one was, it wasn't so much a position statement. It's just copy on the site. It said it is, uh, this person is a destination wedding and lifestyle photographer residing in San Francisco, California, devoted to discerning couples and individuals that value the quality of crafting artistic and timeless imagery they will cherish for a lifetime. Um, and you could, you could do a Google search and find, you know, 3000 other websites that say very, very similar things. So not any, anything of real distinction there. This next one was a bit distinct. They said French style photography and videography in California and beyond. I don't know what that actually means. Anybody that can't see the video, Frank <laughs> just kind of shrugged. Um, and I'm kind of doing the same thing. Uh, it's, I don't know what French style photography is, but at least caught my attention because I hadn't seen or heard that before on a photographer's website. Uh, the caveat here is most potential clients probably don't know what that means either. And so that leaves people a little bit confused or at least curious. If none, if nothing else, we want clarity. It involves a lot of kissing, I would assume. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I hope so. Solid. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> um, the last two just said San Francisco wedding photography, San Francisco wedding photographer. So that, that's kind of what I saw, Frank. And I just wanted to run down those, not only for your context, but also for our listeners and kind of give them an idea of what works, what right. doesn't and, and why. Um, any further thoughts before we kind of start talking a little bit about possibilities for position statements here? No, not really. It's just, it, it is, it's funny. And, and you kind of alluded to it when you first started talking about, oh, hey, there's a lot out of this top 20, 14 of them have, have a, have a statement here, but, but unique was missing in almost all of them. And so, yeah, it is a big market. It's a deep market, but one that's potentially easy to crack with the, the correct and unique uh, branding. Exactly. And, and really stand out. And I don't want to minimize the significance of um, referrals, personal connections, you know, referrals from, from yes. clients and, and from vendors and 
Uh, again, the, the position, the idea of a brand position, it's only a piece of the puzzle, but it, it you can literally build the whole business on it and your marketing becomes much more focused and much easier as a result. And that will make a big difference. Even when it comes to those references, now you become the that guy who does or that girl who does and, and they fill in the blank immediately because such a strong association has been made. Helping them make that strong association is is one of the big challenges, but it starts with coming up with a distinct brand position. Now, there are four different ways, before we talk about possibilities as far as phrases go, uh, there are four different ways uh, potentially to establish a clear and distinct brand position. First would be to own a position, or um, excuse me, to be the first to own a position. So um, you know, if you were the first one in San Francisco to be a wedding photographer, that would be really cool. And to say that you're a wedding photographer, that'd be really awesome. That'd be really tough in the San Fran market. It's already been done. So that's not an option. Um, if you were after, if you were photographing a more elusive genre, um, you know, let's say, you know, black and white dog portraits for uh, you know, black labs or something like that, really, really specific. Uh, you could be the first to own that position. But in this case, a little bit of a tough, tough one. That's It's only more relevant for those who are in small markets where photography may not be quite as widespread, not as many photographers and minimal number of photographers who actually have strong marketing. You could try to be the first to own a particular position. The next way to do it is to offer a service that doesn't exist that speaks for itself. Again, a little bit tough in a bigger market because likely most ph- photographic services already exist there and somebody's speaking to it. Um, so, But I at least want to throw that out there just for the, for the concept of it. The third way to do it is to offer a variation of a service. And so... You know, in this case, what we're talking about, the potential of doing, let's just say, for example, that you mix cars and photography and you only photograph couples who are car lovers, that is a variation on a service. And you could literally state that or put that right. in your position statement. And now you're offering a variation on a service, the service being wedding photography, the variation being cars or couples who love cars. And the majority of the images, if not all of them on the website, involve an automobile of some kind there's a variation sure. on a service. The example that I gave earlier for, you know, for myself, if I had a business here, black and white wedding photography for Chattanooga couples, that's the variation is the black and white. Um, and then the, another way to do it is to name a target market. Uh, and when you're naming a target market, this could be location-based. Uh, it could be a subculture. So I could say black and white wedding photography for skateboarders. Now I'm naming a subculture, a particular group of people that I want to speak to. And again, it really helps narrow the marketing efforts down. Um, it's also narrowing the general market, the number of people that I have to potentially book as a client. So I may have to expand the actual location of my market from Chattanooga to maybe Tennessee more broadly. Uh, but that's another way to name uh, a market. And then, you know, when we say being the first to own a position, I guess the the other uh, relevant piece of conversation here, it's not just about the service that we're offering, but the being the first to own a message. And really, we could add this kind of a, as a fifth one. I'm going to literally make notes as we're talking here, because I think this is important <laughs> um, and relevant to the conversation. But be the first to own a message. And that's key, because here's the thing. If if a photographer is, for example, a wedding photographer by by default is capturing history, they're ideally part of that family's legacy. They're giving them a finished product that is going to be part of that family's legacy. But if nobody is speaking to that, there's an opportunity to be the first to own that particular message, um, or you could say position. And I think that's where your fascination with, with history and nostalgia, um, legacy, this idea might come into play. You could potentially own that position, at least based on that initial Google search. I'm not seeing anybody that's really running on that position or more specifically that message. And there's where the opportunity, I think, lies in this case. Do those ideas make sense as far as how to go about creating one? Yeah, absolutely. And I I think that is what I was initially trying to do uh, when I was setting up the current website I have now um, with all its faults and and my current branding message. But uh, what I'm what I'm afraid of and what I've run into is finding a way to emote that in a way that is easily consumed by anyone who happens to, upon hmm. my website. Okay. Um, so having something nice and clear and concise and digestible yep. uh, for anyone that, that happens to upon, upon my website. So like, cause I, as, as I said, the whole uh, photography for future nostalgics, that's what I have on my website right now. I, I do think it is a little bit uh, too uh, nebulous your favorite word. So, um, yeah. And I think 
kind of refining that and, and hopefully maybe you've got some ideas. Maybe we can shed some light on that. Yeah, well, I think we can at least get um, get to a great starting place, if nothing else. So yeah. first of all, I want to emphasize the importance of not overthinking the the message itself or even the actual words right. that we're using in them. In that, we don't have to try to be fancy. I guess very, put very simply, we don't have to try to be fancy because at the end of the day, um, and, and one of the things that I that I say to my team, uh, photographers at it, for example, when we put together tutorial videos or we work on website user experience, um, I, I talk to them about the significance of keeping it uber simple so that you know, somebody like a third grader or a sixth grader could come along and understand it. And that's not to, to minimize the significance of the intelligence of the individuals that might be coming to our website. I just want to make sure that I take any potential variable away that might confuse them. Because the reality is our, each one of our experiences of life at large is different because of our own personal history. And so that includes the way that we read and understand a word or read and understand a phrase. So the less um, nebulous, uh, to, we're just going to keep running with that word. The, nest, the Word of the day. It is, yes. The less nebulous um, that we, and by the way, for anybody that's curious, I'm going to actually, we're going we're gonna to get the dictionary definition here for everybody that's listening that's curious. <laughs> um, and, and literally on, on my MacBook Pro here, it says, in the form of a cloud or haze, uh, or you could just say hazy, unclear, vague, ill-defined. So that's nebulous for you. But if we're using nebulous words or, or phrases that are nebulous in nature, and we leave them with a very vague understanding of what we're offering, that, that's been problematic. So to that point, let's keep the words really simple. As an example, um, let's just say, for example, you wanted to go to uh, and focus on the car community, the automobile community specifically in San Francisco, and you want to photograph weddings for them. You could say something as simple as wedding photography for San Francisco car lovers. Now, it seems simplistic, but as an example, this is what I'm talking about, using words that really don't have double meanings. They don't have to read into the phrase to try to figure out what that means. Um, it's not that it means one thing to them and another thing to you. It's really, really straightforward. Now, that particular example is uh, interesting and challenging at the same time. It immediately narrows the field, but there's a possibility, even as big as San Francisco is, uh, and as much money as resides there too, as far as a marketplace is concerned, that there may be a limited enough market that you'd have to expand beyond it. Now, if you're, if you're just so into cars that you can't imagine living without them and not photographing them, and you want to incorporate them in your wedding photography, then it would be worth exploring this because I've yet to see, again, in 20 years or so, I've yet to see a photographer do this, actually run on this position. And whether they're doing it in their local market or traveling nationwide and photographing only couples who are just like obsessive car lovers, um, they've got, you know, the, the vintage right. cars sitting in their garage and they're also working on a project car out back and um, they're all about this thing. That's a very specific segment of the market. And of course, you can come up with a very specific message dedicated to them. So that's one example. Another way that you could go about communicating yeah. that wedding photography for the automobile enthusiast, if you want to sound a little bit fancier, if you will, you could say something like automobile enthusiast. Mm -hmm. So that's just playing in the car market. Now, to your earlier point, I think that certainly when it comes to your website right now, having the automobile and the weddings in one place um, as a concept doesn't make sense unless you are actually pairing them as one. So in the long term, right. it may take a little bit more work, but if you're going to continue to photograph automobiles for these various companies and projects, uh, taking that away and creating two distinct brands is a smart way to go. Again, unless you're trying to combine the two. Right. Now, if we're going to play on the idea of legacy, for example, a couple of phrases uh, or position statements you might consider, heirloom wedding photography for San Francisco couples. Now, again, very simplistic, but it sums up the significance of legacy, of history, this idea of being able to, to pass on images to the grandkids without actually saying that because that might not resonate with some people. Right. Um, but just very simple statement, heirloom wedding photography for San Francisco couples. This is an example, again, of an idea which many, if not most photographers are involved in as wedding photographers, but nobody's actually owning that position. You have the ability or the opportunity to do just that. You could also say heirloom, just photography. If you wanted to open it up to family photography, you're starting with the weddings, but then you're going to start photographing these families as they grow Just simply heirloom photography for San Francisco couples or for families um, or car lovers, if you even wanted to go that direction. Sure. And that whole car yeah. brand could be dedicated to that very idea of heirloom photography for car lovers, You know, documenting your favorite automobile's history is the subtext, something like that. So that's, all, that's all great. And I really 
it is simple. And I, and I, I believe I probably use the term heirloom on my current website somewhere, someplace. Okay. Um, but just pulling that out and just have it stand alone and, and on its own value, I think, um, really does a lot to simplify it. Um, and I think that's smart. And I do, I do kind of reference the idea of, you know, of someone's vehicle as an heirloom um, or as you know, greater importance, not because it's, you know, super cool, but because it's like, there's a lot of personal history and family history in it. And that's part of my auto brand. So, um, yeah, I, I really think you're, I think, I think we're on to something. Well, on, on the homepage, you, you do. You say the idea is to capture people in a way that creates photos as heirlooms. So I, I would be curious, though, because that's a, I think it's a strong position statement. Nobody else is using it. Nobody's running on that position or that message. And it's simple. It's easy to understand. It's also relatively short, easy to put above the fold. But then yep. what you would want to do is not just say that thing. Because it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to not only make sure that the imagery depicted on your website back that idea up, but then the experience that right. you give them also backs this idea. I was actually talking, had a very similar conversation with another photographer who's on the other side of the country, so no competition, no worries, <laughs> who, who was talking about the significance of legacy, the importance of that to them. And they, they have placed a lot of importance on the physical product, prints and albums, and we were right. talking about the idea of legacy, and it was a really wonderful opportunity, not just to highlight the significance of legacy, but also also it gives them a way, a kind of a segue into product sales, because it, it's right. easy to sell somebody on the significance of legacy as it relates to this physical product that is going to stand the test of time because of its quality, but also um, it's it's not going to become irrelevant because it's you know not on a USB drive or a CD or a floppy disk right. or whatever it has already gone um, <laughs> defunct. So there's an opportunity here to create an overall experience which backs up the idea of heirloom. So all that to say, when when you think about the word heirloom, what are the ideas that come to mind that you think might be able to play into not only the refinement of your site but the experience you provide? Yeah. So with the term heirloom, you know, I I, I think of pretty much everything you just said with regards to the, the physical, uh, you know, physical, tangible items, Okay. you know, not, not photos that are delivered digitally or in the cloud, in the nebula. And so, yeah, as far as a way to, to boil that down into, uh, say the, the user experience, I think it's just kind of doing what I'm already sort of doing, but, but branding myself that way. So, Earlier when I had mentioned about meeting people in person and, 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 and doing that and having that real kind of human to human interaction and not just and not letting that stuff slip by the wayside and the importance of that, I think doubling down and maybe messaging that uh, in, in branding in a way that that speaks to the nostalgia and heirloom and, and days gone by and, and, and do that in a way where it's more than just saying on the website. Or, or anything else, I will take care of you, or something really <laughs> that's too vague, and that's sure. way too, and that's what you commonly see, like, you know, great customer service, you know, that's not, that's not the play, but I think there's, I think there's value in tying that in with the concept of, of heirloom. Well, when, did that make sense? When I think about heirloom, I think about, um, it, it does to a point, I, I, I think, you know, the idea of heirloom, at least as I understand, and I'm, just to give context, I'm 40 years old, um, so, I, we could call it midlife if you want. I'm hoping to live to at least 100. Um, but nonetheless, when I think about heirloom, it has it to me. It holds a certain level of class. Um, the person right. that you're probably going to be, or the potential client, excuse me, potential client that you're going to be targeting, is likely going to be of a slightly higher uh, income bracket. And so, that being the case, I would want to make sure first of all that the website exhibits a certain level of high end feel yes. right now i'm I'm on your website and and I have to kind of scroll a little bit to see the whole picture that you've got on the on the, as the header but it's a it's a very kind of a um uh like it, I don't know if they're in Hawaii or the Caribbean somewhere this very lighthearted kind of fun very colorful image which in and of itself is great right um nothing wrong with the image but the as, as a look and feel for the website, if you're going to begin to run on this position, um, I, don't, I don't know if it would work. Instead, or in contrast, what might right, be yeah. really beautiful here is this stunning black and white image with a good bit of contrast and you know a photo of a bride and her father and, and the father's a tear running down his cheek. And it's, cap it's capturing a moment, to borrow the cliche phrase, without having to say it. Mm -hmm. 
But you can imagine this gorgeous black and white image framed on, you know, textured art paper and kind of hung in the home of of this family. They they look at that not only to, as a celebration of the wedding that happened, but a connection to their past and their grandfather who passed away last year. Um, that's that's the kind of feelings that that are evoked for yes. me when I hear this idea of heirloom. And so you would want to do that on the website. Minimalism simplicity is really important there too. Not a lot of text. Let the image do the speaking and simple copy uh, back it up or vice versa. And and then as far as the experience is concerned, you know, when you talk about heirloom products, again, you're not going to want to go get the the five dollar print or get the hundred dollar album. It's gonna it's gonna be something of higher quality with packaging to back that up as well. And yes. you, there'll be a really cool opportunity to build the whole brand, not just the website, not just the images, but the whole experience that you provide your client, not meeting at Starbucks, but finding a some you know high-end bar to go meet at or, um, or a restaurant to take them to or something to the effect. But everything is built around a, a level of, uh, I hate to use the, high, the, word, the, the phrase high-end because it's so cliche, but <laughs> that's, that's the market that you're going after here. And that's the experience that you should be creating. Yes, brilliant. No, I think that's all, that's all well said. Definitely, you, you kind of can't have one without the other. You can't have the words, especially if you're going simplistic uh, as far as uh, like easy to read copy and then have the images be completely incongruent with that. And so that, that's absolutely speaking to the point of, hey, if, if what I want to do and what my current text is talking about is this heirloom experience and creating artifacts, etc., the, the imagery has to back that up. And, and I think that's that's a smart way to do it and, and in a way that also emotes class and, um, yeah, standing the test of time, you know, and, and whether that does also then leads to higher end uh, print sales and album sales, et cetera, then that certainly wouldn't certainly wouldn't hurt. Well, I, I think you've got something here. I think there's something to run on. It's a great starting yeah. place nonetheless, and it'll really simplify and clarify the message. And ultimately, you know, as we talked about earlier, how you're spending your time and your marketing efforts, you know, the, the target client that you're reaching after. I know that Mar- that San Fran in particular is, is a, an especially high end market. Um, nationally, right now, the top, let's see, 8% or so of weddings photographed in the US are photographed for about five grand and above. What, what price point are you currently at on average with weddings? So my standard wedding package, the way it's constructed right now, uh, which is uh, includes ten hours of coverage, which is a lot of coverage. Wow! Yeah, is it right at right at about thirty thirty five hundred? Okay, is is where I'm sitting right now, mm-hmm. and there's absolutely room for that to to grow up, just because that's almost that's almost the I don't want to call it the entry way in the market here, uh, the entry point dollar point, um, because there are certainly other photographers that are well under that sure um but more probably all the, those 20 other ones that you found on the google search are probably at or above that number right um as, as it's constructed so on a national scale and i'd have to look at california specifically in a national scale that 3500 mark falls in the next so you have the top eight percent or so five grand and above uh the next i think it's about 20 or excuse me 12 percent or so from it would between two and five uh, is is where it sits, or twenty five hundred and five grand. So they're sitting in that that kind of the middle section. It's not actually the middle right. of the market per se, because now you have the seventy percent, seventy to eighty percent actually below that. But yeah, I, so there is there is a massive segment there that's underserved. But I think if you're going to run on this position statement, you might even look at the possibility of at least gradually or eventually raising that price point to support the brand and everything that you're doing for the brand. Uh, may take a little bit of time. Certainly, when it goes when it comes to making or moving into that higher end market connections are, are where it's at. Uh, but if you've got this, yep. this marketing, this brand and this message that you've developed and the whole experience that you've developed to support it, you have an opportunity the first time you meet that coordinator who can send you the right clients to, to make an incredible first impression and guide them through that experience just as you would the client. And you're going to start making an impact. Absolutely. And now you become that guy who delivers just stunning heirloom photography um, that you're going to want to have in your family for years to come done. I mean, like you, you'll, you'll be able to own that yep. for sure. Absolutely. And I think what's good too is because I also do have you know, the photo booth brand and I have some other irons in the fire. I'm not sitting here trying to kid myself and want to get 38, 42 weddings a year. That's, sure. That would, be, I don't need that. I don't want that. Sure. I, I can live very happy at 15 to 20 a year. Cool. 
Um, and with that, if with that comes a better experience for the clients, because I'm I'm not pulling my hair out shooting back to back on a Sunday and a, and a, and a Saturday or right. what have you. Right. And um, it uh, then allows me to then support that by increasing my prices. I think it's kind of a win win all the way around. Awesome. Well, I, I think we at least have a good start here, Frank. And I, yeah, buddy. I, I like how you think about things too. I mean, what's, what's really great here and in, in where you're, you have an advantage is that you're, the wheels are already turning. A lot of this stuff, it's, it seems as though you were already thinking about these concepts were in your mind. It's just a matter now of kind of implementing them. Um, I think you're well on the way to right. it with, with a phrase at least comparable to something like wedding, heirloom wedding photography for San Francisco couples and being a great position, literally right. and figuratively, to, to run with that. So yes, um, this has been a good conversation. And I just appreciate, too, your willingness to, to share this kind of exploratory conversation with our listeners um, so that they can yeah. follow you, continue to follow you, especially as your brand evolves. We just share your website and, and Instagram with them one more time? Yeah, absolutely. So the website is... Uh... I hope you like typing because it's nice and long. Frank Harrington <laughs> Photography yeah. dot com, and then same same on Instagram is where you want to you want to track me down. So at Frank Harrington Photography dot com. You should have just fit the the fourth in there too, just for the fun of it. Make them type extra. Yeah, when I was initially coming up with a a, a brand name for for the business, I yeah. I had toyed around with just Frank Four. Like oh. the number four yeah. photography. Okay. But it's, it, it was a little bit too punny. So I, <laughs> I, I ended up not going that way. Um, so who knows? Maybe, maybe that'll be the breakout auto brand. If, if I go that, maybe uh, yeah, and that, you know, that, that could be more, a little bit more palatable there. Well, and there's an opportunity to really create a cool brand. It might be a whole different conversation we can have at some point, but creating that, the brand position for the auto yeah. brand, which would be really fascinating. But um, nonetheless, I, I wish you the best of luck. Certainly here to support and help however I can. For everybody listening in, make sure you go follow Frank and, and give him a shout out and encouragement. And um, would thank you everybody for, for listening in today. Thanks again, Frank. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit milu, M-I-I-L-U dot com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.